Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. You're in for a treat today. You're in for a treat that I get regularly, although there are some things I'm uh, looking forward to learning today that will help me get to the next level myself. Today's guest is very special. I doubt no matter how successful this show becomes and who I get to interview, I'm going to get a chance to interview someone who I admire more and perhaps, you know, she's kind of close to the heart too. This young lady is a two-time national champion at her sport. She's a two-time national team champion in her sport. And recently, she won an individual team medal in the World Cup for the USA and then also led her team to a World Cup gold medal as well. I'm speaking today of my daughter, Anna Buffini. Welcome to the show, darling Anna. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Nice. Now, in case you folks are listening and you think this is going to be some self-indulgent talk, like basically watching the Buffini family home movies for an hour, let me share with you, all parental pride aside, I, like you, I'm here to learn today. This person is someone who is a champion, who has achieved at the highest level that can be achieved at each stage of her career. She is as focused and driven and accomplished an individual as I've ever come in contact with. And I think we've introduced you to some pretty special people on this podcast and more to come. And so I'm very, very fascinated today to be your uh, questioner, to help you find the insights you're looking for as you listen to this from someone who operates at an extremely high level. So, Anna, today I'm going to ask you questions that the audience want to know as much as I want to know, okay? Sounds good. So, as we dive in here today, we're talking about understanding the heart of a champion. And you have been that your whole life. You've been a champion at many things. You're a two-time state gymnastic champion. You were a champion in basketball with your high school. And now you've gone as far as you can in your sport. A champion, by definition, is a person who's defeated or surpassed all their rivals in competition. Here's what I want to know from your end. What does being a champion mean to you? Being a champion, you know, obviously what comes to mind is the blue ribbon winning gold medal. And obviously that's always the goal. But also being a champion to me is winning in your attitude, your efforts, and your focus. That's what Tim Tebow says. Because sometimes it's the only thing we can control. Right. Can't control the weather. You can't control how your horse is going to be that day. But you can control how hard you work, how much you prepare, your attitude, how much you cheer on your teammates. And if you give 100% in that, I think that's what makes you a champion. And it also helps you achieve your goals to actually end up winning. Let's talk about this. Because I've watched you at a national championship, I think it was in 2014, where you basically lapped the field. You won in dressage, your sport. You win by a half a point or a quarter point. I think you won by seven points, which is kind of like in a 1,500-meter race, winning by 300 meters. Yet, you were voted by your peers as the top sports person. I've seen you win these awards from your peers and acknowledgement at every level. And normally, the girl who is, you know, you're pretty, you're smart, and you're killing everybody, there would be an opportunity for envy or resentment or whatever else. And yet you win these sportsmanship awards. You know, most people, when they're talking about, you know, being a good sport and control your effort and control your attitude, they're finishing second last. 
How is it you've been able to do both? Yeah, I mean, I don't want the end of my story to be an episode of Mean Girls. I want it to be, <laughs> you know, I want everybody to come together and be a team, even though it's an individual sport and you are, you know, I'm a fierce competitor. I yeah. want to win. If you've met me for two seconds, you know that I want to win. I want to beat you. Yeah. But also, I want to compete against everybody at their best and if we're all encouraging each other then it helps elevate all of our games so that we put on a show for people and that we can all be competing at a hundred percent of our capacity you know competing fiercely against each other but also you know it's a good feeling at the end not just beating down your opponents but everybody's encouraging each other and elevated each other to the next level so together everybody's better exactly and i've watched you do this i've watched you take girls under your wing and help them and support them and people who ended up winning the medal that weren't even in contention and you help them get better. Has that helped you get better? It has. Yeah. A lot of that comes from when I was young, I would see the older young riders and, you know, professional riders and I would just want them to take me under their wing. And some of them, you know, would just be up there and not paying attention to you and just focused on their own thing. And so I just made a promise to myself that I was not going to be like that. I was going to, you know, look for someone who was trying to be where I am Mm -hmm. and help bring them along so they can achieve, you know, the excess that I've achieved. Well, and this year was a great example of that. You went down to Wellington, Florida, which is this, I was amazed when I went down there, this entire region of the country where everywhere you go, there's horse people and I'm standing in the line of Jamba Juice getting the kids some juices, and I'm the only person not in horse attire. Yep, it's awesome. So, <laughs> But uh, you went down there. You had uh, a couple of dinged-up horses. Mm-hmm. You weren't able to compete all the time, so you took your energies and you poured it into training younger riders and doing these uh you are a workout fanatic so you were having them introduced to the world of workouts (laughs) hardcore but tell me a little bit about that so you know it's like okay your horses are down you're in this individual sport a lot of people think it's a very entitled sport Mm -hmm. anything to do with the horses there's often a lot of money around it so uh where does that all come from yeah um i love the quote from zig he says the only way to achieve your goals is to help others achieve theirs. Mm. And I mean, you do the same thing. You know, you're not just elevating your game. You're elevating everybody's game around you. Mm. And so I think that's what everybody in sports or life should be about is not just, you know, pounding the guy down and, you know, standing on top of them to be on the top of the mountain. It's like everybody working together like iron sharpens iron. You know, you make each other better by competing at your best against each other. But it's not about beating each other down. It's about everybody coming together and we got each other. hundreds of thousands of people listening to this who wouldn't know the first thing about dressage or even any aspect of equestrian sports. Give me the thirty-second flyover on what dressage is. Where did it come from? What's it look like? And and why is it of interest to you? Yeah, essentially, it's horse dancing. It's yeah. like uh, ballet on horses. We do pirouettes and turns, and but it's really powerful. It's very controlled. And these horses are twelve hundred pound animals that are very strong, have a mind of their own, and you're trying to look like one in the show arena, going around in a twenty by sixty meter arena to different letters, doing different movements, and you're judged by a judge, and your goal is perfection. Yeah. And it came from war times. They used to be war horses, and they did these maneuvers, and they did a pirouette to you know stab one guy in front of them and then <laughs> pirouetted back to stab the guy behind them and they trotted in place to keep the horses warm and um, so I love the fact that there's a lot of history behind it or a yeah. family who loves history yeah. it's just it's so beautiful I mean you're with these creatures you know it's, I've played all the sports and you know basketballs can't buck you off <laughs> you know you gotta be on top of your game but I mean the horse you have to work with it years and years and years to achieve 
an elite level. Yeah. And in that time, you're not just a teammate. You're a best friend with your horse. You guys know each other inside and out, and that's what makes it beautiful. Nice. Is the connection between you and your horse. And I, again, growing up in Ireland, you know, we would have all the European channels, and on the weekend, now they have Sky Sports. You know, there's 60,000, 70,000 people in the stands watching this. And I believe in Germany, dressage is second, and the question is second only to soccer. Mm -hmm. So the American audiences may not know it to the same degree, which is another thing I want to get to here is, you know, you are now a big woman on campus, okay? You're the most accomplished young rider in the history of American equestrian in the dressage space. Your horse, Sunday Boy, and we'll talk about him in a minute. That's a special deal. But, you know, last weekend... There were 10,000 people in Del Mar who turned out for Sunday Boy's retirement performance, mm -hmm. which was amazing. You know, I've written this book, The Emigrant Edge, and I do a talk on it. And I, I show a video with Neil Diamond's coming to America. And you, you had your routine to come to America. And there was, wasn't a dry eye in the house. So and we'll, we'll probably post that for somebody. We'll probably, uh, maybe we'll make it part of the show notes or something as part of the podcast. But you've had hundreds of articles done about you now. And Yeah, you know, you were on all the channels here recently. But for years and years and years and years and years, you toiled away in anonymity and a little dusty barn. Give the folks a little perspective. When did you start riding horses? Yeah, I started riding when I was about 10 years old after my gymnastics career ended. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just grinded it out. We're grinders, you know. Yeah. But give us a day. So let's say, you know, you yeah. got your five horses, you're doing this and doing that. Tell the folks, what does a typical day for Anna Buffini look yeah, like? Yeah, typical day, I'll have a lesson with my coach, Gunter Seidel. We're supposed to start it at 7.15, but he is German and he is on top of things and he's always early, so it always starts at 7 a.m., so it better be early. So what time will you get to the barn? I'll get to the barn at about 6.30. Okay. Prep the horse. I have someone who helps me prep the horse as well. Okay. Um, you get on, you tack them up, you make sure they're healthy, you walk them out, you warm them up. And then your coach gives you a little headset so he can talk to you from across the arena like a walkie-talkie. And you go hard for about 45 minutes, and then you let your horse stretch out and walk out. Great. And then um, I'll have two other of my own horses. I ride after that. Then I'll go to another farm with clients. I'll ride about five of their horses, and I'll train the owners of the horses on the horses as well sometimes how to ride. And then I'll go to another farm, teach a couple more horses and riders. By then, it's about 6 p.m. I'll go home, hang with the family, do some schoolwork, definitely get a workout in, and get ready for the next day. Yeah. So you're yeah. typically 6 to 11 is kind of uh, the routine that I've seen for <laughs> yeah. years. And you've been doing that for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, the homeschooling allowed you to kind of be able to do that. And now you're doing some of the college stuff as well, the same way through Thomas Edison. Mm -hmm. So here's the point. You're a week away from your 23rd birthday. You've been 13 years. The horses really don't take a break. I mean, they, they are there every day. They got to be taken care of every day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have a couple of folks help us out from time to time. But basically, you're sun up to sundown for 13 years. For a lot of that time, there's not a lot of big crowds around. There's not all the big shows. You do how many hours every single week? And you might do how many shows a year? And each show lasts, like the performance is what, five minutes, six minutes mm -hmm. long? So... How do you not get bored? How do you not get frustrated? How do you how do you not give up? How is it that you continue on doing it? I mean, why is it that, you know, it's hard for many people to just keep going. It's like, oh, it's Monday, mm -hmm. or I got the, it's hump day, or it's yeah. this and that and the other. Yeah, I think mine comes from desire. Mm -hmm. I have a huge desire to win 
I have a desire to compete. I have a desire to be one of the best in the world one day. And, mm-hmm. you know, every night I go back to that as hard as it is, as as much work as it is, it's all worth it. And especially when you get a taste of winning, mm-hmm. it makes you want to go back there. And when you get a taste of losing, too, right. it makes you not want to go back there, right. for sure. You hate so, to lose. I hate to lose. So the drive to win keeps my desire and the drive not to lose. And then you see like the Under Armour commercial with Michael Phelps, and he's just grinding away. You know, we see 30 seconds of what he does mm-hmm. in his crazy long best career ever. And it's like what you do in the dark brings you to the light. Mm-hmm. And most of what we do is in the dark. Most of what you do is in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't see what you do. We do at home <laughs> and all these guys here see what you do. But um, it's all of that work that nobody sees mm-hmm. that helps you be successful. Nice. Now, just a personal note on this. You're, like I say, 23 in a week. A lot of your peers aren't necessarily, you know, they, maybe they're not as fortunate to have found their passion and their purpose at a young age. There's a lot of 23-year-olds are thinking about different things in their day than you are. They've got their nose in their phone. They're hanging out. It's which girl, which boy, what dance, what's this, what's that. Is it ever been a situation where you find yourself you know, isolated and alone because you're not connected to people. You know, let me ask you this. Do many people your age get you? <laughs> no. Most of my friends are people your age. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Which is not that old, but a little bit older. <laughs> because first of all, I want to learn from you guys. You're yeah. successful. You're where I want to be. And second of all, yeah, not a lot of people understand the drive. They don't understand the work. You know, when I, I've never been to a prom, I've never even you know been on a date i'm always you know we're working it's <laughs> i'm trying to get to the olympics here so <laughs> i'm like i don't have time for that and not everybody understands when i have to cancel plans or you know i can't go to parties or or whatnot but it's really all worth it once you're standing up there you mm-hmm. know especially when like i said when you get that feeling of of winning mm. and i love aug's quote it's like it says i will love the light for it shows me the way yet i will endure the darkness because it shows me the stars so mm. even when you're lonely even when i'm you know, on the treadmill at night at 11 p.m. There's victory in all of it. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it creates a better person, not just a winner or a better competitor, but mm-hmm. it creates who I am and who I want to be. All right. That's great stuff. It's high-level stuff. Even then, I would say there's a lot of people listening to this going, ooh, you know, I've, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> and maybe they don't want all of that. Maybe they don't want to be. I mean, the thing about it is you want to be the best in the world. I know that. Mm-hmm. And that type of drive and that type of focus to do it and not become all consumed is hard but maybe folks listening maybe they don't want to be the best in the world at what they do but they would like to be better Mm -hmm. and so a little piece of that one of the ways to help somebody get there is to get in help Mm -hmm. some teaching training going to classes reading books we run a coaching company we have the largest business coaching company in america you have a coach named gunter seidel now gunter himself is an olympian Mm -hmm. medal winner brilliant guy He's one of the great people I've ever met. He's tough. He's German. <laughs> He's uber pragmatic, mm-hmm. you know. How are you able to receive and implement his coaching? I mean, you're a sensitive person. Mm-hmm. This is this guy, and it's this constant. I go out to watch you guys practice, and he's like, no, no. And it's like, boy, I mean, did she do anything right? You know, and, and then it come away and goes, yes, that was great. You know, and uh, what? Really? And it was kind of neat seeing him at your retirement ceremony the other day for your horse. He was like mm-hmm. inspired. 
and yet he was a coach. You talked about all the details you did right. So how is it you're able to receive coaching? How do you view coaching? Yeah, um, I mean, coaching is huge for me. Personally, I do so much better when I have a coach. I really don't do well by myself. As driven as you are. Yeah, as driven as I am. I'm up there on the horse. If I'm alone, I'm always a little bit like, ah, I know this could be better. I just wish I had somebody to just tweak something a little bit mm. to just help me get that much better. And honestly, you can't take it personally. When you go into a coaching session, you have to realize that they're there to prune you. They're there to help you get better. Mm. And we're not perfect. So you have to realize that you're going to make mistakes and you have to almost just love making mistakes and mm. learning from it. Because once you make the mistake, they see it and you get better from it. And then you don't make it again or you know not to make it again or how to prevent it. So you can't be afraid to make mistakes, which is what I've learned over mm -hmm. my years. I used right. to be very afraid to make mistakes and then I wouldn't get better because I wouldn't show my flaws so I wouldn't improve. Mm. But now I'm like, all right, <laughs> here's everything. And then he's like, all right, you need to fix this. You need to fix this. This needs to get better. And then you become that much better, that much quicker because you don't take it personally. You go in wanting to get fixed and you know it's going to make you better. You know it's going to help so you win. So as much as you hate to lose, you've had to learn not to be afraid to fail. Yeah. Totally. You know, that's definitely something I've watched you grow in. Because when you were a basketball player, you were the best athlete on the court. You would rebound. And one time you got called for traveling. So you found a way to make the most incredible WNBA passes so that you wouldn't get called for traveling. Because <laughs> yeah. you didn't want to make that mistake again. Yep. And now, you know, here you are as a person that's grown into the point that, hey, I'm going to deal with the fact that, okay, this guy is one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. He's achieved at the level you want to achieve at. You're going to be willing to show him your mistakes so that he can fix them. And so now the mistakes are your friend. Yeah. I mean, that's a complete sea change from your nature as a person. Mm -hmm. The reason I bring that up is that's something we can all learn from. Mm -hmm. You know, you've learned from that yourself. And I'm sure that's still a struggle for you. I'm sure that's still in your nature something you don't want to do. But the fact of the matter is you realize that that's the staircase to get to the next level. Yeah, definitely. Embrace mistakes, embrace failures, put yourself out there, receive the coaching, and then go apply it. That's yep. great stuff. So I watched this thing, and I, I think I'm, I'm talking in the control room now. Maybe we'll post this video of Anna, your last ride with Sunday Boy. It was uh, amazing. And Sunday Boy has been this special, special horse that other people gave up on that you worked late night to restore him, to get healthy and do all this stuff. And he retires as the most accomplished under 25 horse in the United States. When you're on that horse and there's 10,000 people, two things for me. First, you're like, hey, dad, get all your buddies there. You like the big crowds and the more pressure the situation, you want more people there. You almost want to heap on the pressure. Mm hmm you know, many of us get a little older in life and so on and so forth. We're, we're looking for ways to avoid stress, <laughs> avoid pressure. How is it throughout your career when the heat's been the hottest, you've performed the best? What is that? I know it's at an unconscious level, mm -hmm. but if you were to try to analyze it, when you're under the most pressure, you've performed at your highest levels always. Mm -hmm. What do you do? What's your mindset on that? Yeah, For me, it comes down to preparation and focus. If I know... There's a lot of pressure on me. If I know there's going to be a lot of people there and, you know, my teammates counting on me, I'm going to prepare better. Mm. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to know that I'm like, I gave 110%. I couldn't have prepared or given any more. And then also it helps me focus more. It's just, I've always had it where 
if there's not a lot of pressure, I have a harder time focusing. Mm. I don't take quite as much. Like, it's not so deep for me. It's just a little bit like, all right, you know, I'm just out here on a horse. Well, the Under-25 Nations Cup is in Wellington, Florida. Never been hosted in America. America's never won it. Your team is down when you come into the arena. You're the captain of the team, and you just blister a massive score that, you know, strips a field. Everyone in the place is holding their breath because they're terrified of making it. Not just your mom and dad, but... Like, all the people who are there who are Americans Mm -hmm. are holding their breath because they know any mistake, and you lose, and you're the reason they lose, Mm -hmm. and yet you guys come out. It's kind of a neat deal. I'll be honest. As your dad, I'm sitting there watching you stand on the podium, and they got the flags, Mm -hmm. and they have an orchestra and a choir singing the national anthem. It's a pretty wild scene. So when you're feeling that pressure, it causes you to do what? I don't think about the failure part of it okay that didn't even cross my mind i'm in the warm-up arena and i know because of the way i prepared i can win this Mm -hmm. you know in any aspect of life like if you do your calls your notes and your popeyes you can go into whatever aspect in your business and you can win right you you can't do it if you don't prepare well so all the daddy's girl right there that's (laughs) it beat them baby beat them all the nights all the workouts all the you know training by myself just with my coaches that took me to that point in the warm-up arena where I literally just had no fear mm. of going in that arena. And yes, mistakes can happen. And yes, I still could have blown it. Mm-hmm. And that would have felt horrible. But that didn't even cross my mind. I knew because of how we prepared for it that we were in a position to go in there and win it. Mm. And that's it. So the preparation meets opportunity equals execution. Yep. And so here's the truth of it then. The dirty little secret is most people are feeling high levels of stress because they're not prepared. Mm-hmm. And when you don't prepare to the degree you, you need to, mm-hmm. you're going to feel more stressed because you have the doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, the bottom line is you believe that if you do what you've done to prepare, you're going to win. Yep. And so how great, no matter who's listening to this, in what endeavor, whether it's a job interview, whether it's a big presentation, whether it's you know an opportunity that's presented itself you do the preparation for me in speaking you know i tell people i do 100 hours of preparation for every one hour of talking i don't know if that's accurate i think it's a lot more <laughs> i think so <laughs> right so <laughs> uh, but i tell them that because that sounds 100 hours sounds doable but mm-hmm. you know the thing about it is you know i'm not getting up on stage in front of tens of thousands of people and just winging it or yeah. or i have a, an outline or a sketch series of notes and yeah. whatever else i mean you know we have a huge event here next week i you know, I pretty much know that event's in the bag. You know, mm-hmm. if I don't fall off the stage and break my front teeth, <laughs> there's a pretty good chance we're going to win that thing, you know. Yep. So, and I think that's the real deal. And say, so, you know, everybody wants to get to heaven. No one wants to die to get there. Mm-hmm. Many people want to change their circumstances, but they're not willing to change themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think the other part of it is people want to achieve, but rarely do people want to pay the price. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that for a second. Paying the price. Not everybody in your sport is a super fitness freak. There's all kinds of body shapes in the equestrian world. Mm-hmm. Yet you, you had a trainer one time who said, I think if you don't eat meat, it'll improve your lines. And you haven't eaten meat in how many years? Three. Three years. Maybe even longer than that, probably. Yeah. And you were the biggest meat eater of all time. <laughs> Carnivore. <laughs> Hashtag. <Okay. laughs> Carnivore. <laughs> but, okay, boom. So, okay, that's what I'm going to do. 
You, you are up at dawn, down at dusk. Your workouts, you uh, anybody follow you on Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram, you do these crazy workouts and flips and this and that and the yeah. other, and it's it's entertaining stuff that you put up there on social media. Why do you take that extra step? I think it's not just about riding in the horse and winning for me. I have a much bigger goal in mind. I have a bigger picture. I want to, you know, like be sponsored by Under Armour one day and like do their fitness shoots, you know, mm-hmm. so I got to be fit for that. I want to be, you know, on TV and I want to not just inspire riders. I want to inspire anybody, business people, you know, mm-hmm. other athletes who are doing curling or something, you know. Sure. So I think my dreams and my goals help drive me to do these little things that are going to help me not just achieve like being a champion horse rider, but like a champion human who can champion other people. Nice. So let me ask you this. If somebody's there today and they're kind of in a rut and they're stuck and they maybe are having a lot of negative thoughts or frustrations and they feel like they're not moving forward and they hear this, here's this uh, young lady that seems to have her whole life figured out and knows where she wants to go and what she wants to do and whatever else. What would your encouragement be to somebody like that who might be stuck and... How do they go from being unstuck to finding that passion? Yeah. I mean, sometimes listening to things like this can be like watching the Victoria's Secret model show. You know, <laughs> it's like you're just depressed after watching that stuff. So <laughs> none of us are perfect. None yep. of at all. I mean, I lost my keys yesterday. I had to take my mom's car to work. So, <laughs> it's you know, it's just none of us are perfect. Yes. Yep. You know, I have this drive and thankfully it's a lot of it from my, you know, parental DNA genes. <laughs> they have quite a bit of competitive in there but um i think just writing lists always helps me you've taught me to write pros and cons lists and like you know do like uh justin Forsett had like a self-evaluation yeah. list and just pick one thing you want to improve on don't mm. get overwhelmed i get overwhelmed easily and i just have to break it down and be like all right i'm gonna put my keys in the same place every <laughs> single day right <laughs> you know something like that yep. so or i'm gonna just write one more note today or yeah. like before i go to sleep I'm going to do this or I'm going to just do five crunches yeah. and then you just build on it. And if you can't do it by yourself, get an accountability partner, you know, listen to your podcast more, get motivated, but it's better to live, you know, like inspired, looking forward towards something than live in regret, and, mm. you know, be like, you know, I'm in tomorrow and I didn't do it yesterday. And then you go into the next day and, you know, you, the regret just builds. What well, part has goal writing taken place? I mean, you've been sitting in our <laughs> seminars since you were... Since I was born. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess. I mean, Pretty I can't much. remember the first time, maybe yeah. five years old. Yeah. You've been writing goals your whole life. What part has goal writing and goal setting played for you in all this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. It's, I think, why I am the person I am. It's why I've achieved the things I've achieved. It gives you a destination. It gives you that drive you need to get there and even if you don't reach your goals you have to look back and see how much you've achieved and who you've become striving for that goal Mm. so you know Lou Holtz says if you're bored with life you don't get up every morning with a burning desire to do things you don't have enough goals Mm. so if you're sitting here listening to this right now and you're like, Ugh, you know, you need to set a goal, <laughs> set a right. goal for tomorrow. Be like, I'm going to run on the treadmill. I'm going to write five more notes, something, do something. Yeah. Well, the big goals, I mean, Lewis tells a story about how he, he wrote 108 things he wanted to do in his life. And there's a classic story of an administrator walking into the college in Notre Dame. And Lou was on all fours and he was on all fours moving around the floor. And he had his back to the door, and in comes like this 
Catholic priest who's the head of the school and his head football coach is crawling around on all fours and he kind of stood there in silence watching him for three or four minutes and finally he goes <clears throat> he goes everything okay coach and Lou goes yes um, he says it's on my goal list to do skydiving but I'm not going to get to do it this year I just wanted to feel like what it was like <laughs> you know so yep. uh, anyhow character you know great stuff like that Having the goals is a big deal. You guys have been setting goals for a long time. Mm-hmm. And all of you guys, you know, the thing about it is, you know, it's been fun watching you guys. Uh, you know, in many ways, our family's been this experiment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, we have some pretty high-achieving characters, football players and basketball players and volleyball players and horse riders and special forces, military people and all of that stuff, yeah. right? But the dynamic is there's a common denominator, right? There's the goals you set the goals also include development of your character and then one another you guys are each other's best friends it's mm-hmm. a neat deal to watch yep. you guys are the a team you're you're thicker than thieves it's, yep. it's pretty yeah. funny to watch the ultimate piece that i want to know is this is to be a champion to be a winner what would the ultimate be for you as a champion mm-hmm. not just in and out the whole arena what does it mean to be a champion yeah I think personally for me, it's that if everyone knows that I'm a woman of faith and that, you know, they're touched by my faith and it's the reason I am who I am. You know, people are like, oh, you're so nice and you're so sweet and you're so different. And I'm like, I'm not necessarily going to say it, but it's because of my faith. Mm. And that's the reason I am who I am. Mm. And it's who I live for and it's why I live. And it's the only way I'm going to live and I'm not going to compromise regardless of what opportunities come and what opportunities I miss because of it. Mm. Big stuff, big stuff. I have five questions I ask all my guests. I guess I'm going to ask you those as well. I've learned quite a bit today, by the way. This is great. In fact, I think I'm going to interview all my kids to find out about (laughs) what they're doing and where they're losing their keys. I didn't know that. Uh, Okay, so you've heard me do this with other guests. You've listened to the podcast. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? From Gunter, I was on the horse, and it's very easy to get frustrated with these animals who have their own minds. He just blankly states, <laughs> don't train emotionally. Mm. It's like you can be an emotional person, don't hide it, but don't react emotionally. And it's something I've taken into life, too. You know, Don't react emotionally to what people say to you or what you perceive of them you know just don't take it personally but mm-hmm. don't react emotionally don't so you can be an emotional person but yeah. just don't take everything so personally exactly. right yeah and just react very matter of fact very level headed well we live in a world today where everybody takes things personally <laughs> and everybody overreacts personally it seems like everybody yeah. most people and people seem to get offended and look for offense all the time so that's good advice for everybody all right, what one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? I would love to be able to dance. Yeah. Just, like, break it down. <laughs> <laughs> I can sing. So I think if I could dance, I could just take that show on the road. <laughs> you can sing. And uh, maybe we'll post a couple of Anna's videos out there. She's done some great stuff. You've done some voiceover work for us at Buffini and Company. Done a couple of Adele covers and whatever else. But, you know, what the singer wants to be able to dance, the dancer wants to be able to sing. But that's cool. Your brothers and sisters can dance, though, by the way. You got to keep it, right? Can. <laughs> no doubt. Okay. Uh, what book has been most instrumental in your life? Um, I love Mastery by George Leonard. Mm. That one's killer. Yeah. 
Yeah, brilliant guy and a great book. Uh, I think he might pronounce it Lonard is how he pronounces oh, it. But, uh, great book, The Path to Mastery. I've, uh, I've even taught on it. And uh, well worth taking a read of that. Cool. Uh, what is your favorite song? Oh, there's so many. Come on now. Um, right now, I always go by what I love right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. <laughs> sure. It's my jam right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, because my it's, your, it's your freestyle music to my horse. Yeah, exactly. It's your horse jam. So that's yeah. it. You know, it was funny. I was trying to get Neil Diamond to appear at our event in August, and he wanted a million bucks. So I decided mm-hmm. I'm going to sing instead. <laughs> So, hey, it's good to know. I love your music, Neil, but you are a geriatric and you want to charge me a million bucks? I feel like I'm going to Happy Acres here to get him out of retirement. I got to pay a million bucks? Come on, man. Throw me a bone. Anyway, sweet Caroline. Bum, bum, Caroline. Bum. And you're also a big-time Boston fan, so oh, yeah. they sing that at the mm-hmm. eighth innings every time. Yep. Anna, by the way, is a fanatical Celtics fan. There's yeah. no small word there. Fanatical. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Celtics and... Not Patriots, though. No, no, no that's good. But no. they're not really Irish. No. Right? No. Nah. Celtics Mm-mm. are Irish. Yep. All right. What movie do you watch over and over again? If it's on, you'll stop. Oh, so good. Seabiscuit. Come on. I love it. You got the underdog. You got the horse. Nice. You got the people, the mismatch. You yeah. know, they don't fit in. Hard times. You know, Great Depression, immigrants, you got yeah. it all. Underdog story. Yeah. And then this Carly Lloyd from the USA women's soccer team, even though they're the number one in the world, she says that she always trains like an underdog. Yeah. And that's been a huge quote for me. No matter where you are, no matter if you're number one or number zero, you always train like an underdog. Well, it's easy in the horse world because we're competing against, there are giant companies that sponsor mm-hmm. horses. There are government that sponsor horses. Against Lego. We get, yeah, right. Lego, Glock, who make yeah. guns. I don't know. And we get the little old Brian Buffini show <laughs> is supposedly competing against these governments. I don't know. Talk about fighting the underdog. Well, here's the great news is, you know, this has been a fascinating thing for me to do today because, as you know, Mom and I have coached our kids in different sports and we're able to kind of somehow disconnect from the fact that our kid is our kid and (laughs) just coach him up. And that's uh, today. It's been a fascinating interview for me. As much as I know you, it's interesting to see how you tick. You are a champion as your dad now. What I'm more proud of is the person you are. Mm -hmm. And you're a champion human being. You're a champion daughter. You're a champion sister. You're a champion servant to others. I see you go and volunteer and feeding the homeless and doing this and doing that and you're a champion person and so I just love the fact that you don't just win and win the medals I love how you win and I think I'm more proud of that than anything else so proud of you I know you helped some folks today and I appreciate that and I think this podcast will be something that people can listen to that they can learn from I hope they listen to it several times check out Anna on Facebook or Instagram if you want to keep up with her I think on the show notes and many of you don't know that, but you go to com. there's show notes for every single podcast where we have, if there's books mentioned, if there's reference materials, we give you little guides, there's all kinds of cool things. I think we're going to post a bunch of articles. You've had over 100 great articles. I think we're going to pick like our five favorites awesome. for folks uh, to check that out. And maybe we'll post a little video if we're able to do that uh, so they can see you in action doing your thing. So, yeah, follow Anna, check her out. She's entertaining, I'll tell you that. She's got a little showmanship in her. The uh, acorn didn't fall too far from the tree. Learn from the best. That's right. (laughs) So thanks for being here today, babe. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to head over and leave a review for us on iTunes. We're also on Android, so you can download your favorite podcast app from Google Play and tune in for free as well. 
We, you know we love hearing your feedback. I've got a great feedback the other day from a lady who said, I listen in doing my housework every day. She said, David Lally, your producer, I could listen to that man read the cereal box. What a great voice he has. And um, that was David's mother back in <laughs> Ireland. So we want to thank her for that. Uh, anyhow, keep sending us your reviews. We love them. Our goal, as you know, is to positively influence as many folks as we can. So share the show with others. Please pass it on. You know that's our goal. So as I finish here today, I'm going to leave all of you and Anna with a little blessing that her great-grandfather used to say. She never had the pleasure of meeting him, but what a character he was. And he'd say, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you and your horse in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time.